joy today. Come on down to the Father's house and just see what will happen if you step out and do something a little bit different to draw near to the Lord today. I promise you, he's here and he's here to work miracles because that's what he does. Let's worship together. Jesus. 
the time to lift our praises unto him, to give him the praise that he's worthy of. Yes, Jesus.
As we were singing that last song, um, throw the chains off, shake the dust off, run to Jesus. I just felt heavily in my spirit there are people here today who have strongholds, strongholds of the mind, chains of addiction that are even weighing on your health. And the Lord has spoke to you, but it's not that you've necessarily ignored him, but you've sat it to the side or you thought it was your own thought, but 
these strongholds and these chains can be broken, just like the song, shake the chains off, the dust off, and run to Jesus into freedom. He holds the keys to freedom. His grace is sufficient, but we have to relinquish that. We have to surrender that, and we have to go into battle with him, but his grace is sufficient, and he will supply every need that we have to set us free, to break those chains in Jesus' name. Um, As this song was playing, um, the Lord brought back something that happened years ago. Uh, My oldest son was 17 at the time, and he was going into a, um, it's not a regular college. I can't think of what you call them, where they go and you get an actual trade. And um, he, they had him sign up, and then they're going to pick out your roommate. And they'll, of course, give you exactly (laughs) the same that you are. So he went over into um, Indianapolis, and the roommate turned out to be a 28-year-old divorced man. And uh, my husband and I went to visit him at one time, and I said, so how are things gone? And he says, about every weekend, he says, the guy brings in a woman in his bedroom and whatever. And um, I said, well, um, I said, I asked him, I said, that's going to stop. And I took a bottle of oil, and I went into the guy's bedroom who wasn't there, and I anointed it, and I commanded foul spirits. I commanded everything I could think of to come out of that bedroom. And uh, we left later on, and the next time he was home, I asked him, I said, well, when we went out in the car, I turned the music came on, and the first song was, The Battle Belongs to the Lord. And I thought, that is right. And when I got home, later on, a couple weeks later, when he came down to visit us, um, I asked him about it, and he says, hasn't brought anybody home? Absolutely nothing. The battle does belong to the Lord. And if we don't give up, he is going to manifest what you want in Jesus' name. Sorry. Yeah, um... A couple of Mondays ago, I was here praying and um, at night, and I was meditating and emptying myself to the Lord, and I asked Him to show me, um, to show me His presence. And I, for the first time in my life, I was visited by an angel. We were right up on the altar, and um, since that moment, God has placed people and events in my life that um, I've been able to use what I've been through to help individuals. And I've been asked numerous times in the last couple of days, how or why, or how do you do this? How do, how do you overcome the fear and the guilt and the shame, the remorse, the addiction, the, the depression, the anxiety, the defaults of you want to kill yourself? How do you overcome that? And I just flat out tell them, it's what Jesus Christ has done for me. It's not what I've done, it's what he's done for me. By his spirit, by his blood, and by what's inside of me that allows me to live today the way that he wants me to live. And I tell them that there's available to them too. Confirmation of what Melanie had just said, that there's people here that we don't have to live that way. You don't have to live that way. You don't have to live that way at all. Today, right, today can stop right now, today. Just empty yourself of yourself and let Christ fill you up and be who he wants you to be. Words of encouragement.
saw a picture of Jesus right in front of me. But he was like a papa and his arms were out. And he, I, I saw myself like a child, like a child running out of myself, running to him with complete abandon. But he, all he said was, I'm not far. And as I thought about that, I could see people saying just one word. So it's not that you have to get out of your seat, but it's one word. And instantly when you do that, he was so close, it was suffocating. And it was absorbing. It's not far to come to Jesus because he's already there like Pastor Phyllis is right in front of me. And all you have to say is one word if you're scared. He doesn't care. One word and he will absorb it. And you're never going to be the same.
Oh. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. There's such a sweet spirit, such a sweet presence in the house of the Lord uh, this morning. Let's continue our worship in the Lord this morning in our tithes and offerings. If you need a tithe and offering envelope, please just raise your hand. One of our ushers will make sure you get one. Or there's uh, envelopes in front of you in the pews, also on the ledges if you're in the risers. Uh, if you want to give today electronically, which I prefer to give, if you're watching via online right now, now is your opportunity to give electronically. You can text to give by texting 77577. Or you go to onlybelieve.church and you can give that way. Thank you so much for your giving this morning. Uh, if, if you got uh, your Bibles, which I suspect many of you do, or your tablets, please turn with me to Genesis chapter 14. Genesis chapter 14, I'm going to read verses 19 and 20. Genesis 14, verses 19 and 20. Verse 19 says this, And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Abraham was also to be renamed Abraham by God. He was abundantly blessed by God. Uh, and the way, the way Abraham showed his appreciation blessings was by giving a tithe. Now, I want you to understand, this was the first example of tithe in the Bible, where Abraham gave a tenth of all his possessions. Now, Genesis chapter 13, verse 2 says this, Abraham was rich in cattle, in silver, and gold. So Abraham had immense wealth. As far as your eye can see, Abraham owned the lands and the cattle thereof. So this was not like a small token of, uh, you know, uh, $100 or $1,000. He would have been probably the equivalent of a Bill Gates of the time. That's the kind of wealth that Abraham had. But Abraham knew the source of his wealth was God. It wasn't himself. He wasn't man-made. It was God that gave him the ability to have that wealth. And see, understand this. The tithe was not ordered or was not part of the law back then. This was 430 years before the Mosaic law was actually instituted. So Abraham did this not because he was required, but he did it because of his love and his thankfulness to God. You know, I look at the tithe like this. Obviously, Malachi tells us when we, when we tithe, there's, that there'd be meat in God's house, that he'd open the windows of heaven upon us. And I believe that that promises is for us, for tithers. But I also believe it's important for us to honor God, to give thanksgiving to God, and show our love. And one of those ways we can do that is by tithing. So today, when you tithe, I just encourage you, let's, let's think about, let's examine our hearts and be thankful for all he's blessed us with. We've gone through the worst year probably of our lifetimes with COVID-19. But God is still on the throne, and he's still blessing us. He's still bringing increase to us. So I encourage you right now as you tithe, be thankful for what God has given you. He's given you health. He's given you your children. There's so many things that we can look back and say, God, it's because of you. So today, as we give, let's think about that as we give our tithe. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord God, for the tithes you blessed us with. I thank you, God, for the ability you give us to get wealth. And Lord, I ask you, Lord God, to bless the tither. Bless every seed that's sown today, every offering giving, Lord, because I know you're going to give it back to them. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will men and women give back into the bosom. Lord, we love you. We're thankful for all you do for us. Lord, we count our blessings, and we count them back to you, saying, Lord, we love you, and we appreciate you this morning. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. The Globus for PDM for Worldwide Missions. Thank you for your giving this morning.
God forever. Well, well, glory. Hallelujah. What another visit to the park this week. Up and down, up and down, up and down. I went between Fox News and CNN radio. Oh, I mean TV program. And uh, had to go see a psychiatrist. <laughs> Didn't know who was lying, who was telling the truth, or if they were all fibbing. I got done with the psychiatrist. I closed the door and I heard a big crash open the window up. And he was gone and the window was broke. Of course, he's only on the first floor, but it wasn't. No, I'm kidding. Hallelujah. Let's turn our Bibles today to Matthew 24, 36 to 44. We are in an unprecedented time in the body of Christ, which far supersedes the history of America. The history of America and this great nation is secondary to our pursuit and the value of the kingdom of God in our life. We are Christians. We are citizens of a heavenly kingdom. And that's where our focus needs to be. We are not worshipers of men, of idols, of gold, or of silver, of time, or of power. We are worshipers of one Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. This time is a sovereign time. It is a time of God. In other words, God has set certain things in that will not and must not, and he will not allow those times to be skirted, short-circuited, or prolonged. The time is not that we are in right now. It is not a time of questioning. Christians, they, they, well, what about this? What about the, what, what, what? Look and listen, little chicken little. Just put your head down and walk. Amen. Well, I want to know everything is going on. It does not need to be a time of confusion. Now, I would tell everybody that if you are having confusing thoughts, things coming in, things going out, you just don't know what to do. You need to raise up a standard and stop the assault of the enemy because confusion will bring just simply more problems to your life. And then we see, or we ought to know, that is not a time of fearfulness. Why are we afraid? Why are we afraid? We are only to be fearful when we trust in ourselves. If we trust in God, there is no fearful element because his love and its provision cast it down to be trodden upon. We don't need to know everything. I'm just amazed that we have to know what's going on. The father of faith never questioned anything, but it seemed like his offspring are just full of questions that mean nothing. The Bible said, I will take you, Abraham, come out of the land of Lutz, and I will take you into a land that you know nothing of. 
Abraham said, let me pack up. We'll be ready in the morning. And he walked out into a land that God would show him. In other words, it's a need-to-know basis. It's a need-to-know basis. Why do we need to know every jot and tittle? In fact, this is what God told us. I will do a new thing. And you are not going to know a lizard hair about any of it. But I'm going to bring it to part, pass, and you won't understand nor comprehend what I'm doing. Now, if God said that to me, I would just simply keep my nose out of his business instead of trying to figure out some unheard, some unseen thought or declaration about God that was hidden in his own mind, in his own control, in his own time. But sometimes people want to speak for God. And I did wonder, God, why don't we just kill all these prophets? And he said, yeah, that's the attitude of the law, son, but I did give you grace and mercy. He said, so it will lift the prophets up, encourage them to speak again. He said, you know, they get more than one chance. And I said, do they deserve it? And he said, no, you didn't either. So I just moved on from that subject. But we're in a time that we walk by faith. Does faith require that we know everything? No. Does faith require that we know anything? Only this. If God said this is going to happen, then it's going to happen. You don't need to question when, why, how, where, who. Those are all doubtful statements. They're filled with doubt and fear. And uh, so we're going to look at today at a portion of this sovereign time that we are in. And we're going to talk about three elements of the time that we're in. We're going to talk about the great catching away. Then we're going to talk about the return of the Lord. Then we're going to talk about the day of the Lord. See, the catching away, the second coming, and then the execution of judgment and new creation. We're going to talk about those today because so many times we get them all mixed up. And we need to know what we believe. Amen? Now let me say this. What we're going to talk about Today, these three elements of God touching man, creating seasons and times, it doesn't matter when they happen. You know, you can argue post-catching away, pre-trib catching away. You don't know. Only God knows. And so there, why is there this big hoodoo and split and division among people that are post-trib, mid-trib, holy-trib, maybe-trib? What, what, I, I don't know. What do you want to know? Why do you want to know it? 
Well, I, 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 want, I want to know when I'm going through the tribulation. It won't change the thing if you do know. If God has ordained you're going through it, you're going through it. What I would encourage you to do is stand in faith. Amen. You know, sometimes I think the body of Christ is like this. Why, 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 why? I want to know, I want to know, I want to know. Why are we going to the doctor? Why do I say, because you're going to need your head fixed in just a moment. And so I'm just predetermining where you need to go. Get in the car. You know, we, we all the time, the secret things belong to the Lord. And if he has not said anything, then let's not try to conjure up something that will appease our emotional, soulish appetite. Okay? Hallelujah. Matthew 24, 36 and we're going to read down through 44. I know it's a lot of scripture, but it's better than reading the whole Bible for this morning. Amen. Matthew 24 and verse 36. And it says, But of that day and of that hour knoweth no man not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Angels don't even press God to look into the secret things. And then it says this, But as the days of Noah were, were so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And for in the day that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. Notice the Son of Man, the coming of the Son of Man is going to be recognized just like that the wrath of God fell, judgment came, and they were gone. That's how fast that the catching away will take place. And then it says this, And know not until, in verse 40, Then came two be in the field, and the one shall be taken, and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken, and the other left. Watch therefore that ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered this, his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye always ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. In other words, it's going to be a sudden act. Number two is going to coincide with a new type of explosion of judgment, but the righteous shall be caught away. The ark is simply a symbolism of the taking away of the church. Now, 
this does not mean that we can't see signs of what's going to happen. But as the old timers would say, if you listen quietly, you can hear the hammer of the ark of the covenant and the ark of salvation being built. In other words, it's nearer than we knew. It's going to come like a thief, and it warns us not to sleep, lest that will overcome us. So this is a divine time, but we can see signs. But we don't have to see everything. Amen? And then in verse 33 it says, And when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near even at the door. Somebody say at the door. You can certainly see that the world is waxing worse and worse. Doesn't take a rocket science, doesn't even take a Sunday school child to recognize that. That should be an awakening and a rising, a stirring of preparation. Amen. Amen. All right. And then in 2 Peter 1.19, it, it says this, we have a more sure word of prophecy than any other word that can be muttered. In other words, we don't need to look for some intervention of the voice of God. We have it right here. And there is enough information in here to warn you, guide you, prepare you, and to keep you. Now, if you want to add more people, I guess you can. If you want to add more books, I guess you can. If you want to add a, a, another prophet, I, I guess you can. I, I guess you can do whatever you want. But I would behoove you to just stop and receive the unshakable word that is more powerful than an audible voice from God that split the heavens and allowed men to hear who Jesus was. We need to be ready. And now you might say, oh man, you're, you're being hard. I'm not, folk, good Jesus, not. Please get rid of them crocs that you wear and put on some hard-toed shoes. You know, someday you're going to have to own up that somebody's going to have to warn you. Somebody's going to just have to talk frankly to you. You are not children. We are to be men and women of God. And we are to quit being like mere men. And what God says, nothing is hard about it. Why would you take offense? Well, well, it's the delivery. Would you rather have Jesus up here calling you vipers and snakes? Would you rather have Paul up here? Would you rather have the old buddy Peter? No, you couldn't stand any of them. They were frank men of faith and not shenanigans. They didn't have to flower the message. They preached and they got offended. Jesus said, well, you want to be offended with them? Don't you know you offended them? I didn't do anything but tell them what the word said. You want to be offended at God, be offended at God. But don't get mad at me because if you're mad at me or angry at me without a cause, you're going to hell anyway. I, I'm, I'm just saying. Now, 
there are three events that we're going to talk about. We can prepare for them, but we cannot escape any of them, none of them. The first one is found in 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, verse 13 through 18. Can I have that on the screen? This is Paul speaking to a church that is very zealous for Jesus. And they want to know why things aren't working out like Paul said they were working out. So Paul begins to expound, not on a subject that he had not talked about before, on a subject that he had explained to them more than once. Not only that, it was written in the letters of 1 Corinthians. And whether they rejected the letter, didn't listen to the letter, or just fell asleep during the letter, I don't know what happened. But Paul speaks this to a church that is wondering, what's happening to these dead people? And Paul says this, but I would not have you to be ignorant. Brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others who have no hope. Notice that the catching away, the, what Paul is about to explain in this event, is filled with hope. And when that hope is taken away, your faith will crumble. It will crumble. You may think that what I'm talking to you about is real light. You may think I've heard it a hundred times. But the problem is, is today there are all types of false doctrines. And one of the false doctrines is this. If you'll go to, keep that on the screen, and go to 2 Timothy 2.16. I'll show you how dangerous that treating things like this lightly is. I hear people say, well, it's not important if you believe in the catching away or the rapture. Huh. Okay. Let's just see what the Bible says about that. 2.16, it says, But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. Notice, vain sayings and words will increase to more ungodliness. Now, why does the devil bring in a false doctrine about the catching away? Verse 17, and it says, Their word, the profane and the vain babblings, will create ungodliness, and their word doth eat as a canker of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection, talking about the resurrection of the dead saints, is past already, and people have a right to disagree. What's it say? It does what? It does what? Well, what is your faith in? Jesus coming back for the church. It is one of the pillars of your faith. In fact, you take communion, and when you take it, it says, do this in remembrance of me. You show faith in the resurrection. Not just the resurrection of Christ, but the resurrection of the saints. Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren. But here it tells us 
that when we just make slight of it, that it's going to erode our faith. You say, well, pastor, is that really true? Oh, listen, we've got kingdom now, which means that when Jesus comes the second time to bring a judgment, that that's when the church is caught up, meets him in the air, and comes back with Jesus, which is not true. It is an erroneous doctrine. And there are people in here that believe in the kingdom now. And you just need to quit believing it because it's stupidity. The rapture of the church is not the second coming of Christ. The judgment of Christ upon nations is the second coming. You will not be there. There are all types of doctrines. And the reason false doctrines get started is because people listen to people instead of reading the Bible. Instead of reading the Bible. Now, here it says, next verse. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. And this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, not by some prophetic word, but by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain, you and I in physical bodies, unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God and the dead in Christ that are with him to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, that they that in Christ shall rise first. Somebody say first. Then we, we which are alive in physical bodies, shall be caught up. That word caught up means to snatch away quickly. It means to rip out. It means to pull up by force. It comes from a word I'm going to... It's har... Herapos. Is that it? H-A-R-P-A-Z-O. And we get our word rapture. That's why we say... Well, we believe in the rapture. We believe Jesus is coming to snatch us up out of here. Now, so we call it the rapture, the catching away. So this is the rapture of the church. And so Paul says, and we which are alive and remain shall be raptured, caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Jesus does not descend to the earth at this time. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Now that means that everybody that has died and proceeded in death before you and I are going to return with Jesus. They are then going to meet a glorified body. As they are being clothed in a glorified body, you and I will be transformed and caught up to be with the Lord forevermore. Next verse. 
Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. What does that mean? The word comfort means start calling people near. Call them back to the faith that they have let get loose, that they have separated themselves from, have laid down, counted insignificant, and went their own way. What it means is to embrace Christ afresh because this is going to happen. Now the second thing that is going to happen is in Matthew 16.27. Could I have that on the screen? This is known as the second coming. When Jesus catches the church away, he does not come to earth. The world doesn't even know he has come. They don't even know that we have escaped. But I'm sure the politicians will have an answer. (laughs) And it says, For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father. He does not do that when he raptures the church. With his angels. There's only one archangel with Jesus when he comes after the church. And then he shall reward every man according to his works. What is that? Judgment. Jesus does not come to rapture the church by judgment. He comes to rapture it by grace and mercy. Amen? And then, second, I'm sorry, 1 Peter 3.10. Could we have that on the screen? And this is the third thing that we're going to talk about today and next week. You say, man, you've already killed a lot of time. I understand it. And it says, for he that will love... Did I say 1 Peter? Let's go to 2 Peter 3.10. Put the wrong Mr. Peter down. Oh, there it is. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away. Now, do the heavens pass away when Jesus comes to rapture the church? No. Does it pass away when Jesus comes with his angels in his Father's glory? No. The angels come with Jesus and the heavens pass away with great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. That is the Lord's day. That's the Lord's day. So there are three events. Please keep them straight. I was talking to somebody the other day, uh, and I, we, we were just talking about the rapture. Every time they said the rapture, well, the second coming of the Lord, I said, no, is not the second coming of the Lord. Oh, yes, I, I, but you know what I mean. I said, no, I don't know what you mean. I know what's in your head. But what's in your head is not right. It was just wrong. And so we begin to see there are three things. The day of the Lord is a day of judgment, renewal, and rebirth. Now let's go to 1 Thessalonians 4.18. We're going to read through that. And uh, 
then we'll get into some of the things about this. Now, we've already talked about the catching away is the rapture. Jesus is coming back for his church. 1 Thessalonians 4. Where? No, 4, 13. There. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. Brethren, concerning them which are asleep, be encouraged. They're not dead. They are awaiting an appointed rejoining with their body and with us. We don't have to worry about people. You know, people say, well, I lost so-and-so. No, you didn't lose anybody. Jesus has got them. Well, you know, God took them because they needed another angel. No, God's got all the angels he wants. He's after sons and daughters. Amen. Amen. And so we need to be careful about our terminology because it comes from an illness of ignorance that rests in our mind. And when you hear yourself say something ignorantly, like me, say, Phyllis says, go do this when I'm ready. That's ignorance. <laughs> and it says, I would not have you be ignorant concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not. Sorrow not. Now, God gives us in death under the law 30 days to grieve. After that, you get into sorrow. After that, you have a door open to the flesh. You're not thinking spiritually. You're not trusting God. And so people become vexed over the years because they can't get beyond the uh, uh, sorrow factor, but they become a prisoner of it. Look, 30 days is enough to mourn people. Amen. And when it's over, they aren't thinking about you. I just tell you that right now. Mama don't much care if your tea is hot, your cereal is cold, or your milk is spoiled. She doesn't care. She is in heaven. And then it says this, that you saw not even as others which have no hope. You have hope. Next verse. But if you believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus, God will bring with him. And this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, to the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, hallelujah, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. If you're visiting your in-laws' graves and they start raising up, get ready. They're coming all the way because God is about to rapture the church. Now, next verse. 
Oh, there you go. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Use the experiences of life to draw closer to God, not to allow them to break you away from Him. Amen? Now, He comes back for a church that is prepared for Him. Now, we are being foretold and warned right now. Jesus is coming. And if I was you, I'd clean the house of leaven. If I was you, I'd get my oil tank filled up. I'd start getting my house in order. We need to prepare to meet the Lord. Amen? All right, so we have to realize that this is an important doctrine. But we as people must be prepared because this event is going to happen. You can't escape it. And if you, if you, when you get home, read from uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 11, Luke 12, 39 through 40. It will tell you to prepare yourself. There will be no excuses when we stand before God and we give an account of what we did in this body and in this life. Some of them are not going to be good outcomes. Some of us have talents that we've hid in the earth. We have buried them in excusismville. There's always an excuse why we can't use that time for God. But Jesus said, take his talent from him. Give it to the one that had ten. I didn't write these words. And throw that wicked, useless servant out of my presence. Now, we're going to have to give an account. We aren't going to be able to say, well, I had a wife, I had kids, I had that. I know that. I understand you had all that. But Jesus knew you had that too. And he didn't give you any more than you can't bear. Amen? And so, we're going to give an account of it. So we have to be prepared. Now, the rapture of the church takes place in an unknown time period. We don't know. But what we do know, for those of you that may miss the rapture, I want to give you some time frames. And that may seem funny, but remember, there were two on the housetop, one was taken. You know, God really has drawn the equation to say there might be 50% ready. Now, I didn't put that equation down. God did. So, I want to go. So, if anybody's left, I hope it's you. Now, I love you, but not more than me. I love me. I love me. Phyllis will verify. Phyllis, who do I love the most? Thank you. I'm just telling you, I love me. And if there's only one seat in the boat, you're drowning. 
Don't put me on the Titanic because I'm on the first boat that hits the water. How about the babies and the kids? Let them catch the next boat. Somebody's got to be down there to tell them what took place and what happened. Let it be me. Now, now we do have an insight to the time frame of the second event, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you'll go to 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 11, we'll see when this takes place. This takes place seven years after the rapture of the church. Somebody say seven years. And during that seven-year period of time, we are in heaven, and we, first of all, appear before the judgment seat of Christ because there are still many flaws in our life. There are still many things that we have done that have not been in line with God's will. We've said they were and they weren't. And the Bible says that there are sins that are not unto death and that we need to pray for them. So there are sins that precede men and there are sins that follow men. And people will have things in their life that they have not gotten rid of, that they're fighting, they're struggling with. And there will be things in their life that they've been freed of and picked up again. But they're still fighting. These people still go to heaven. And we appear before the judgment seat of Christ. It is a judgment seat of grace and mercy. But when Jesus comes to judge, there is no mercy. It is law, and it brings forth death. But the judgment seat of Christ, 1 Corinthians 5.1, we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we would have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And this we, for this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If it so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. And what we, for what we are in this tabernacle, do groan, being burdened, not that we would be clothed, unclothed, but that we would be clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now, he that hath wrought us for this selfsame thing is God, which also hath given unto us the earnest of his spirit. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing, confident, knowing that while we are here at home in the body, that we are absent from the Lord. For we walk not, we walk by faith and not by sight. For we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, that we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that every one may receive of the things done in this body according that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord. 
We persuade men everywhere, we, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also we are made manifest in your conscience. Now that takes place from the time of the rapture of the church to the return of Jesus the second time. Not the rapture, the second time. And then during that time is where we receive crowns, where Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 9, that look, I have finished my course, I have kept my faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which every man that walks righteously will receive. We'll be getting crowns, we'll be getting rewards. So those things will take place during this seven-year period of time. Then at the end of that seven-year period of time, here comes the judge. Let's go to Matthew 25. Matthew 25. Hallelujah. Don't be here. Don't be here. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened to ten virgins. What verse did I say? Oh, Matthew 25, 31. I'm sorry, I thought, now, buddy, that guy slipped that in me, on me. All right, there you go. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him. This is not the rapture of the church. This is the second coming. Jesus came as a virgin, died as a sacrifice. This is his second coming. The world will see him when he comes in his glory. And he says, come with him. Then shall he sit upon the thrones of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations. And he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth the sheep from the goats. Now let me say this. There will be Christians on the earth at the second coming of Christ because they did not make the requirements of the rapture of the church. And there will be people that are saved after the rapture of the church. I remember one time Nikki was in a bike, bicycle accident and she caught her foot in the spoke and it just carved it right out. So we took her to the doctor and he's saying, well, you know, you're going to have to have grafts and all that. Phyllis and I aren't saved, no more than nothing. But Nikki is saved. So, we put Nikki down the side of our bed. I got blankets down there all stacked up so she'll be nice and comfortable. And uh, in the middle of the night, Nikki gets up and just takes off walking. So, middle of the night, I wake up and I look over and I see her head print, her body print, but there ain't nobody there. We've been taught old church of God. I'm telling you, I get up and I'm running and looking under couches. Nobody could get under a couch that big. I'm lifting couches. I'm moving chairs. I, I said, oh my God, the rapture has come and we've been left. And I thought, well, where else would sinners be? Stupid. I looked and the front door was open. 
Forget, I, I didn't even think about spirits going through doors. I just said, oh my God, she's went right out the door to heaven. Well, I run out the door and start down the sidewalk. Well, Nikki had walked over to the neighbors walking in her sleep, evidently called medication. And uh, she went over and knocked on the door. He grabs his gun and comes running up my sidewalk like this. And I come out the thing and I say, hey! He says, whoa! I almost did go to hell. Well, that scared the jeebies out of me, buddy. Well, what did you do after that? I chained her to my leg. If she was gone, we're both gone. No. no. All right, next verse. And it says, and goes on the left. There. Then shall the king say unto them on the right hand, Come ye, blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me meat. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison, you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee hungered, fed thee, thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, and naked, and clothed thee? Or where saw we thee sick, and in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say to them, Verily I say unto you, insomuch as you have done it, to one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it to me. Do you know somebody's sick and you haven't been there? This will be your outcome. And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, insomuch you have done it unto them, done it to the least of them, my brethren, you have done it unto me. Next verse. Then shall he say unto them that are on the left, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungered, you didn't give me any meat. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in. I was naked, and all you did was look at me. And I was naked, and you clothed me. Not sick, I was in prison and you didn't visit me. Then shall they answer him, Lord, when saw we thee hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister unto thee? And then he shall answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, insomuch that you did it unto the one of the least of these, you did it unto me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Few small things we didn't think or may not think are appropriate or necessary, but they are. So when Jesus comes a second time, he splits the nations, 
gathers the righteous and the unrighteous. He doesn't do that at the rapture. And then, let's quickly, so we don't have to visit next week. Have I been preaching too long, fellas? Okay, good. Hallelujah. Then let's go on to the next message. No. Uh, let's go to Matthew 24, 29. This is the day of the Lord. Now, the day of the Lord, I'm going to show you, does not take place until after a thousand years, but it doesn't tell you how far after a thousand years. And I'll show you these. Matthew 24, 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall shake. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels and a great sound of a trumpet, they shall gather together the elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other, and learn a parable of the fig tree. When this branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is nigh. And so likewise, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors." Now notice that when the day of the Lord comes, it is at the end of a great tribulation period. That great tribulation period is really only isolated to Israel because it says, when this happens, flee to the mountains. Pray that it not be in the wintertime. These are things that are synonymous at, in Israel at the time that the Antichrist, the son of perdition, moves into the Holy of Holies and declares himself God. And so Paul, is, uh, Jesus is speaking to Israel only. Now let's go to Revelation 20. Revelation 20 and verse 1. Come on, we only got two sections of Scripture. Then it says, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the keys of the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on that dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut it up, and set a seal on him, that he should, that he should deceive the nations no more until a thousand years would be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed for a season. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which were not worshipped, that had not worshipped the beast, neither his, his image, not a computer image, his image, not a she image, his image, neither had received his his mark upon their foreheads, nor in their hands, and they had lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. 
This is the first resurrection. Blessed are the holy, that is, he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And when these thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed of his prison and shall go out and deceive the nations which are in the four quarters corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, and gather them together to battle in the number of whom, as it is the sands of the sea. And they went up out of the breath of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city. And the fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and they shall be tormented day and night and the saints said hallelujah now here's what happens we after Jesus comes executes judgment upon the sheep and the goats we then are established upon the earth for a thousand years now the earth will be repopulated because those that are on the earth do not receive glorified bodies, nor are they transformed. They will live life. They will repopulate the whole earth, the four corners of the earth. After a thousand years, I know it sounds like Star Wars. It doesn't matter what it sounds like. This stuff is going to happen. And after a thousand years, the devil is loosed. Because there are many people, even though we have been here, even though angels have been very active, even though they have seen Jesus, personally saw Jesus reigning and ruling, then what will happen is he's released for a thousand years. And he will deceive many. Well, yeah, but they saw angels and so did Adam and Eve. They'll be deceived, and after a thousand years, God himself, no saint, God himself, shall send fire from heaven and consume all of the deceived as well as Satan, and they will be cast into the lake of fire to be tormented forever and ever. Now, one more small scripture. Revelations 21, 1 through 5. Somebody say, thank God. And it says, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. And I, John, saw a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of the heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and he shall be their God. With, he shall be with them as their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things 
are all passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write these words, for they are faithful. Jesus. At that time, there will be judgment upon all wicked. Wickedness will be destroyed from the earth and from ever taining man again. It will also purge the wickedness that has been done to the earth and to creation. There will be a brand new heaven and a brand new earth. Hallelujah. A brand new one. And God himself is going to dwell in the midst of his people. Now, those are the three, three things that are going to take place. They're inescapable, so prepare for them. You can't be late because they're going to happen. I've had people say this to me. Oh, you just scare me when you preach like that. No, wait till you get to the edge of hell. That's scary. Because once you get to the edge, there ain't no backing up. There's a million roads that lead to hell, but there's not one road out. Now, we are Christians. We have been warned of God. I encourage you, go home, search your house for leaven. I encourage you to go home, make sure that your lamps are filled. Prepare to meet God because it might be before morning. It might not be till next year. I don't know how close it is, but I do know that God has it marked on his time. And when that hand clicks, this is the moment. There'll be nothing that can stop it. The lost will be lost. Damned, doomed, separated, blinded, with no hope. They'll know because we may have raised them that way and they'll know something happened to mom and dad. Dad was so senile he couldn't find the keys and mom was so fearful she wouldn't get in the car with him. Something happened. They're gone. Maybe they'll go to your house. I, I don't know what they'll do. Maybe they'll go to your gravesite. Dig the hole. Say, oh my gosh, they're gone. Somebody came and stole their body. Your brother will say, have you seen the way mama looked? Ain't nobody steal her body. <laughs> now look, we have a chance. Let's make sure that every I is dotted, every T is crossed. Let's make sure that we have looked long and hard and weighed out our salvation. That we are ready. Amen? that we are ready. The rapture of the church, the second coming of Christ, and the day of the Lord. 
I want the first event. Well, somebody say, I want to go on the first load. I would encourage you to get on that thing. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. Hallelujah. And it is a good news message. And it's going to happen. Man, I'm going to... Hallelujah. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Did John the Apostle pray? Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Maranatha, God. Prepare our hearts. Prepare our souls. Let everything be second rate discredited, lose its value, and let us prepare to meet God. One chance, one time, let us get it right, God. Let us pray one for another. Let us pray for our neighbors. Let us reach out to those that are lukewarm, cold, indifferent, what they would call hurt, offended, stumbled, bruised, whatever it might be, God. Father, let us reach out with the hope of salvation. Let us call them near and let us come close with them. We thank you, God, for grace mercy and long-suffering. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Ashley, can we dismiss with that song? That way, singing in the key that they can follow. All right. Live streamers, we're so glad that you could join us today. Be sure to check out all of our social media platforms, and we can't wait to see you next time. Hey, as you're dismissed today, altar team, come on up here. If you need prayer for anything, make sure you're here. 
If you feel in your heart that you need to receive Jesus as your personal Savior, come up here right now as well. We'd like to, uh, we'd like to uh, host that with you, all right? This is the greatest day. This is the day of the Lord, amen? You feel a pulling, you feel a tugging in your heart. Come on up here right now as you're being dismissed. And we want to pray with you right here and right now. Come on, come on. And you're dismissed. We love you guys. We'll see you Wednesday night. If you want Jesus, come up here right now. We're here for you. We're family, aren't we, John? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.